This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope this message meets you where you are and elevates you to where God is taking you. Enjoy the message. So the first question that came in, or I shouldn't say the first question, one of the questions that came in was, um, was Jesus a socialist in a modern sense? It's a great question to start off with, right? <laughs> um, first of all, and to answer this question, first of all, um, I don't know when it's ever okay to put God in a box. In our human definition of things, I don't think it's possible to put God um, in a box. Our human understanding of who he is can't be put into words. We can barely express who God is with our words. So to be able to label him um, in any way um, seems odd. But um, let me define what socialism is. Socialism, this is according to dictionary.com, um, a theory or system of social organization that advocates the vesting of the ownership and control of the means of production and distribution of capital, land, etc., in the community as a whole. Um, so what that means in like regular talk is that um, everything is owned by a group of people and it's distributed to everybody equally. So there's no like um, um, uh, one person that has more than another. Everyone is on the same playing field. Everyone has access to everything um, equally. So. I'm gonna answer this question based on the premise that God can't be put in a box and that we as followers of Christ can't be defined in any one way. Um, as Christians, we have a personal responsibility to be distributors of whatever God has placed inside of us. Whatever God has put inside of you, you are responsible to distribute that. Um, if we're all loving and giving in our personal communities, needs will be met. If you're doing what you're responsible to do, you're gonna meet a need. If you're doing what you're responsible to do, you're gonna meet a need. Not all of us are gifted the same way. All of us have strengths and weaknesses. Now, if we're all working in conjunction together, then most needs in most communities will be met. The problem comes when people aren't willing to distribute what God's put inside of them. And there you find lack. So in terms of, of um, Jesus being a socialist, I, I can't define him as such. I really put the personal, I put the responsibility on us as individuals to do what God has called us to do and to release what God has put inside of us to release. Um, like I said, if all of us are doing what we're supposed to be doing, it, we're all gifted with different things, we function differently, but all together, when we're all functioning together as one body, the full body functions properly. So here we go. The responsibility is on you. Are you doing what you should be doing in the community you've been planted in? And if you're not, then you need to have a conversation with the Lord. I can't tell you to do what you need to do. That's on you. If, if there's somebody who has a need in our community and you have the means to meet it and you choose not to, that's between you and Jesus. I can only encourage you to flow in what God's given you, to distribute what God's given you um, so the needs are met within the community that you've been planted in. Um, Jesus was a perfect example of that. He lived a life that demonstrated how to love and how to give in the community that he was purposed to pour into. And even then, he still stretched outside of his immediate, um, um, his immediate calling for that time to touch the lives of others. People access things they weren't supposed to access because, of, because Jesus is who he is. So do what you're supposed to do and the needs of people will be met. We don't need to put a, a title or a label on it for us to be able to do what we're supposed to do. Just do it. Okay.
Hopefully that answered that question. <laughs> I'm not gonna put a label on Jesus, pretty much. Um, but I am going to challenge you as a personal, as a person, as a Christian, as a believer. So I'm gonna start, um, this mic is a little hot, just a tad, just a tiny bit. Um, I'm gonna start um, by reading a few verses that we should all be familiar with. Um, I'm not necessarily a preacher preacher like my husband. I'm going to talk to you like I'm having a conversation with you. Um, and hopefully um, in that you extract some things that can apply to your life personally. Um, I'm gonna start in Matthew 22, uh, verse 37. If you can turn there, if you have your Bibles or turn on your phones, iPads, whatever type of electronic device you have. Um, and I'm going to read it, and I'm gonna read it from the screen because I don't have it actually written out on my um, iPad here. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Um, everything I say from this moment forward will be based on these two verses, these three verses. Um, and for this purpose, I'm gonna be talking to believers, people who call themselves followers of Christ. If you're in here um, and that's not how you identify just yet, that's okay. Hopefully you sitting in here, um, you'll see us working out our stuff and trying to get better as Christians and believers. Um, it doesn't matter what side of the political fence you sit on because one day all of us are gonna stand before God and God is not gonna ask you, were you a Democrat? Were you a Republican? Were you independent? Or were you whatever else there is out there? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff out there, but I can guarantee that when you stand before the Lord, that is not one of the questions he's gonna ask you. So if that is not one of the questions he's gonna ask you, um, why do we make such a big deal about how a person identifies? And we're gonna get, we're gonna get into that a little more. The things that you're gonna be held accountable for when you get to heaven, you're gonna be held accountable for the things that you've said and the things that you've done. The Bible says that by our words, Matthew 12, 37 says, by our words we will be justified and by our words we will be condemned. The things you say hold more weight than whatever political party you affiliate with. And I think it's something that Christians need to remember as we get ready to go into this year. You need to remember who you are and who your allegiance is to first. Um, Galatians 5.22, we're talking about the fruit of the spirit. As Christians, are you exhibiting the fruit of the spirit? Do I need to, let's read it but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. These are the things that you will be held accountable for when you stand before the Lord, what you said and what you did. And I think that the way we get into trouble nowadays is that um, we put more weight on our own personal perspectives, our own personal truths, and, and if we're really honest with ourselves, there is only one truth, and that truth is the word of God. That truth is who Jesus is, what he came to do, what he did, and what he's still doing in our lives. That is the truth that we ascribe to. Um, everything else in our lives has to filter through those verses. Everything else, everything else. I'm gonna ask you guys a few questions. We're gonna go through here. Instead of having traditional points, I'm gonna ask you a few questions. And with those questions, we're gonna break some things down a little bit. Um, it's kinda, it's gonna look a little different from what a normal service looks like, but that's okay. Because I think um, it'll be good for us. Um, question number one, are your political views filtered through your faith? Everyone is going to say yes. 
It doesn't matter where you sit. Everyone is going to say, yeah, my political views are filtered through, what, through my faith because Jesus said this and Jesus did that. Everybody, no matter where you sit, can say yes, can answer yes to that question or think you can answer yes to that question, right? That's okay because it's true. No political party has a corner market on being right on every issue. No political party. I don't care who you are. I don't care what, it, what it's about. I don't care what the issue itself is. You are not all right. No one is all right. Um, and I think it's important for us to remember that if we base our perspective um, on loving God and loving people, then we should all be on the same page, technically. Technically. Um, so then why do we disagree so strongly? Why is it such a bone of contention for a Democrat and a Republican to sit down and have like proper conversation like proper grown-ups? Like why is that so hard? It's because all of us are so different. The way we filter um, our lives is different. We all have a personal filter, all of us do. Um, but the moment I say yes to Jesus, things change. Who I am changes. It's not overnight, but who I am changes. Um, the Bible says that um, we're new creatures. We, we become a new creation when we come to know Jesus. So who I am and who I thought I was changes the moment I say yes to Jesus. So whatever you hold so tightly to, as it pertains to um, the political world, does not bear as much weight as your allegiance to Jesus and your faith in Jesus. Um, are you willing to follow Jesus even when following Jesus creates distance between you and your political views? Now here's the, here's the tough thing, like what does that mean exactly? Um, I'm a woman, as you can see. Um, I'm a black woman, um, but being a woman who is black takes second seat to the fact that I'm a follower of Christ. All of this is secondary to who I am in Christ, period. My perspective of life, my personal filter, obviously is gonna be influenced by my personal experiences. Um, based on the fact that I'm a black woman, how I grew up, where I grew up. Um, so when I see something on TV, let's just say, if anyone has been watching the news over this past, I don't know, four years or so, <laughs> um, there's always something crazy on the TV. There's always something crazy in the news. So this is how I filter it. As I'm watching something on the news, there are times I just have to change the channel because I'm like, I can't take this. This is too much. It's too much crazy in this world. But um, this is how I filter it. And I'm sure each of you can take a look at something and look at the things that you filter things through. So my first response is my personal filter. The fact that I'm a woman, I'm going to see something and filter it through that, um, that I'm black, that I am not, um, I'm an immigrant to America, um, that I'm in an interracial marriage, that I have biracial children, um, the generation I grew up in. There's so many filters when I'm looking at something. That is how I filter it. So my first filter is everything I am, everything I've grown up to be, the, the, the person I am today as a result of, of all of those external um, contributors. That is how I filter information. That is my first filter. Once I filter everything through those things, I have to pause. Because you can ask my husband, I can get hot watching some of those things on the TV. I can sit there and then you just start to go <laughs> with your personal filter. When you're filtering things that are th through things that are unholy and not things that are, are holy, um, a lot of unholy will come out of you. And um, I have to pause. I literally have to sit down and then think. At this point, I take all of my emotions, the good and the bad, and put them through the Jesus filter. 
is what I'm thinking right now as I'm watching this gonna give glory to God? Is what I'm thinking right now the way Jesus would think? Is what I wanna do as a result of what I'm watching right now something that Jesus would do? It kind of brings to remembrance all of those what would Jesus do bracelets, (laughs) but in reality, that has to be a filter. I can't sit here and tell you that your first filter should be your Jesus filter, because I know how that is. Something goes down and you're like, immediately, whoever you are just comes right out. And it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down, black woman. (laughs) Shut it down just for a second. When I see injustice, for me personally, when I see injustice in any way, shape, or form, something inside of me gets angry and that is a righteous indignation because God is a just God but like I shared with the team this morning with our worship team I was like I have a sense of righteousness but I am not God I am not the final judge I don't get to sit here and make judgments based on my dirty filter The only true and clean, clear filter is Jesus and God. He is the only judge. So as I sit here and watch what it looks like, the world going up in flames, America, what's going on in America? (laughs) I have to pause. I have to and get my thoughts together. My thoughts, I have to figure out a way to shut down those thoughts or figure out a way to get my thoughts to line up with his. Listen, the problem that Christians have is that we try to make our faith fit into the filter of our political opinions when it should be the other way around. Your political opinions need to fit into your faith filter. And if it doesn't fit, something needs to change. Something needs to shift. The way you're thinking then isn't the right way to think. How hard is that to understand, to be hit with reality that what what you think what you know to be true is not necessarily true. How many of us have been confronted with that truth? As you're watching something and you're watching injustice and you're watching people in pain and and hurt and you're thinking, well, everybody over here is bad. And the other side's thinking, everybody over here is bad. And that is not the case because in If we are true believers, if we are loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, if we are loving our neighbor as ourselves, our first step should be to think the best of our neighbor. I think the best of you. I don't agree with everything you do. I don't agree with everything you say. I don't agree with a lot of things. A lot of people say and a lot of people do. But ultimately, I have to think the best of you. And I'm talking to Christians here. I'm talking to believers. I can't sit here face to face with you and agree with you on everything. That is impossible. That will never happen. Never happen. That is not a reality. My husband and I don't agree on everything. We fight often about different things. (laughs) But we are still in a very healthy and loving relationship. (laughs) And it's very possible to be on completely opposite sides. There's some things we don't necessarily come in the middle about on certain political issues. But that is not gonna cause division in my house. I still have to sleep in the same bed as him. I still have to parent with him. I still have to love with him. I still have to serve in the house of God with him. If I can't come into the house of God and look my brother and sister of faith in the face and say, I disagree with you, but I love you, you have a problem. I have a problem, but I think where we lose sight and where we forget is that politics is, this isn't long-term. This is, this is now, we're living on this earth now. Politics will have no place in heaven. We are not being eternally minded when we focus solely on what is just happening in my everyday. Christians, should be eternity minded we should be about god's business so that means that when there's stuff that comes up you're able to sit there and actually look at this thing objectively 
okay, I can see why this person has this perspective. That doesn't mean I'm gonna agree with it. You didn't have the same upbringing I had. You don't look the way I look, which means you wouldn't have experienced the same things I have experienced. I know what racism is. I have experienced it. I have lived it. I know what it's like to be a woman and for people to think that you don't have anything to bring to the table because you're a woman or that what you have is less than what everybody else is bringing to the table. I know what that feels like. It's a very real thing. So as I'm talking here, I'm not talking about the realities of what you're feeling because they're real. What I'm telling you is who we are in Christ is more real than what, whatever it is I'm dealing with. This world will pass away. One day, we're gonna be beyond here. One day, I'm gonna be living with you in heaven, in eternity, and we're not gonna be talking about politics. <laughs> I'm not gonna be talking about who is president of the United States. <laughs> that is not gonna be the topic of our conversation. Who is sitting in office, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Hear me on this. I'm not talking about we shouldn't go out and vote. You need to go and vote. If you're not a registered voter, go out and vote. Please, like, do your part. Too many people died to get, to get the right to vote for everybody. Like, just don't take things for granted. Like, get off your butt, find a place to go, and go vote. All right, there's a shameless plug for voting. But whoever is in office doesn't change does not change who I am as a believer, does not change how I view my brother and sister. How you voted is your business. But I should be able to sit down with you and talk to you about the issues that directly affect me and my community. And if you can't hear them and empathize, there's a problem. There is a problem. We're called to bear one another's burdens. We're called to love each other unconditionally. Bearing one another's burdens, in order to do that, you have to know what is burdening the other person. And if you're not even taking the time to sit down and talk to people about what's burdening them, what are you doing? Like, what is this? What is this community? if not to bear one another's burdens, to care for each other, to love each other, what is really affecting you? And what is my part to play in making it better for you? I'm not saying that all of us need to take up everybody's burdens, that's not the case. Whatever you're passionate about, on fire about, take up that cause, run with it, but it doesn't mean I'm gonna be as passionate about it as you are. We don't all need to be passionate about the same things. We need to be passionate about what God has put inside of us. So then when we're all running with passion, we're all touching the lives of all these different kinds of people because we're being purposeful. We're being purposeful about what God put inside of us. This is about your personal walk with Jesus and how your personal walk with Jesus affects the body of Christ. There should be no... Um, political talk that brings division between you and your brother and sister in Christ. It's, it's just, there shouldn't be. That is, not, that is not God's way. That is not the right way. What's more important, your political views or your personal relationships? If your personal relationships are suffering because of how you positioned yourself politically, you need to reevaluate something. Either your political position or the way you communicate your position and how you relate to people. God sent his only son to die on this earth for everybody. God is a relational God. These things, issues that we let get in the way of, of loving our fellow brother and sister in Christ is ridiculous. Too much. Jesus took care of too much on the cross for us to get caught up in these things. Are your personal relationships suffering? Jesus gave clear instructions to his disciples. John 13, um, 34 through 35. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Can people look at your Facebook feed and see that you're a Christian? And that you love your fellow brother and sister in Christ? Could they look at what you're posting and walk away from that like, oh, this is this person loves Jesus. This person's a Christian. This is a good reflection of who Jesus is. Is that what they come away with when they're looking at your, your feed? Is that what people come away with when they have conversations with you? Do they know that you love and honor Jesus with everything in you? Yes, you're passionate about some things, but those things are filtered through the love of God. Is that what people's takeaways are? When they, encounter, when they talk to you. We shouldn't be afraid of the conversation. What's most important is that whoever we're talking to knows that um, we love them. That they know that it's okay. We don't have to agree on everything, but it's not gonna change the way I see you. It's not gonna change the way we, we relate. It's not gonna change that I will still have you over to my house. You can still come up in my house with your Democrat and Republican self, and we can sit down and have dinner. I know this is, it seems very basic and very simple, but listen, based on the conversations I've heard people having, what I've seen on people's feeds, this is important. This is not something to be taken lightly. When Jesus says to them, a new commandment, so he gave us the greatest two commandments, and then he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus died to show his love for us. And we're here fighting over, over um, who is going to be the next president in the off. Like, think about that. Take that in context. Jesus died for us. And we're here fighting about these things, talking badly about each other. And the world is watching. They're watching us. And they're like, they're not acting like Christians. We need to be leading the way in how to do this. This isn't, this isn't a, um, this isn't a, oh, let's all just pretend. We don't need to be authentic and as real as you possibly can be. Have the hard conversations. But you need to remember who you are and who you represent. You bad-mouthing someone else is a direct reflection on me as a Christian. So now I go out and talk to someone. They're like, you know what? I saw this person. They said they're a Christian and they had all this stuff on their page. Or I saw them in a conversation and they were yelling at people because they didn't agree with what they were saying. That is not a good reflection of Christ. We are to be Christ-like. Jesus died. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He said it again. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. My love trumps my political view. If it means I need to shut up about it for the sake of maintaining um, unity, I will shut up about it. That is more important to me. My relationship with you is more important than this whole political fray that's going on. Who sits in that office, regardless of who it is, you as a Christian have a responsibility to pray. Period. It doesn't matter who it is. It does not matter who it is. And I know this is, it's maybe rubbing people the wrong way. We are Christians first everything else second. I am a follower of Christ first, everything else second. It doesn't justify and make okay some of the things that we see going on. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. But I understand that if justice isn't found here, one day all of us will stand before the Lord and all of us are going to answer for something. I believe that God is faithful to his word, that he's a just God. 
I might not be able to met out justice the way I think it should be, should be done, or how or what should happen to certain people. But trust me, God knows. Do you believe that God is a just God? Do you believe that he sees everything and knows everything and will make the right judgments? Then I have to believe that in this world where things are crazy, and in everything I'm doing that I believe God's called me to do, that if I don't see the outcome I want to see, that one day God in his justice will make things right. And that is where we have to have an eternal perspective. We get caught up in the now and forget the future. We get caught up in the now and forget eternity. This is a moment in our lives. This is not everything. We are responsible for how we live our lives here. Yes, we are. So we need to live it to the fullest, being obedient and, and fully engaging in what's right and what's just. Taking advantage of the things that, that God has put in our lives. We all have a responsibility to do that. All of us do. But ultimately, at the end of this life, Whenever life ends, because life is short. <laughs> Whenever life ends, I want to be able to say that people knew me because of the love I had for God and the love I had for people. And it was expressed in every area of my life, including politics. You will never find, um, if you talk to me one-on-one, -on -one, you might get a little more out of me. <laughs> in terms of direct conversation about specific issues. But on this platform, I have a responsibility to challenge you on a spiritual level. I'm not here to make political statements. That is not my role as your pastor. My role as your pastor is to challenge you to become more Christ-like in the way you conduct yourself, in the way you talk, in the way you act. I'm here to challenge you on a spiritual level. If your political views are more important to you than how you're portraying Christ and how you're representing him, then you need to change something. You need to change something. The issues are important, but no more important than how we relate Jesus to others. The Lord is serious about division and the way the political conversations have gone between believers, um, I don't believe that God is sitting up there and proud of how we've acted and how we've, we've behaved. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart, that, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a fal false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Discord among brethren. If your beliefs are sowing discord, that's one of those things that the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination. Abomination. Like, we're not playing here. God does not play with discord and dissension in his house. There is a commanded blessing with unity. We have to be the church. The church has to be the ones that shows the world how we're able to love each other in spite and despite our differences. If we're not leading the way, the world is just going to go go on and not know how to do it. They're not going to know how to do it. God does not mess around with this stuff. This is one of those things that if there's someone sowing discord in the house, we shut that thing down. Because discord brings division. And that is where every evil thing will start to breed. So this political talk 
if it's sowing discord and division, it's not of God. Doesn't matter what side of the fence you sit on. It is not of God. God is the God of unity. In Psalm 133, one through three, it talks about how, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in, together in unity. The end it says, for, the, for there the Lord commands a blessing, life forevermore. Like, come on people, let's get it together. I know this isn't like a happy-go-lucky message. <laughs> but I've sat back and watched so many people Families divided, friendships ended, people not talking to each other because this person believes this and this person believes that, and they're both supposed to be Christians. You're a Christian, really? And if that's you, start thinking about some things. Let the Holy Spirit begin to talk to you. Our heart is to bring unity. Our heart is to bring people together. So that means that everyone who comes together is going to look different, sound different, have a different background. My husband and I are as different as different can be. Completely different backgrounds. Completely different upbringings. Completely different lives. But yet, we manage to live in unity. <laughs> in our house, there is peace. Because the greater bond here is our faith in Jesus. It's greater than anything else. I love him with everything in me. With everything in me. But I love Jesus more. For real. <laughs> and I hope he wants that. Like, I hope he loves Jesus more than he loves me. <laughs> Think about, this is for you. This is a personal responsibility message for Christians. Get off your soapbox enough to get down on the level that the, of the person you're talking to, enough to love them. What you think, your opinion, it's not more important than the person you're sitting next to. If the person sitting next to you is hurt by some of those opinions, then you need to reevaluate. Am I going to hold on to this opinion for this, at, the, at, the, at the behest of this other person? Am I going to hold on to this so tightly, this belief system, this truth that I think I know, I'm going to hold on to this so tightly, even though the person next to me is directly affected by that very thing that you're holding on to? Is it that important that you would lose this relationship for something that you believe? That you, well, this is just fundamental. This is just truth. This is just this. Let me tell you something. The person was always more important to Jesus than anything else. The law says to stone her. Jesus says the, first, the person who is without sin, you cast the first stone. It's always about the person. Always about the person. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They're like, be quiet, be quiet. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus brings them forward. It's always about the person. Always about the person. And that's how it needs to be for us. I know it can be hard. It's a hard pill to swallow when you believe in something so strongly to let it go for the sake of a relationship, for the sake of love, for the sake of who we're called to be as believers. Here's where you, you confront some things in your soul. This is an internal thing. This, this, is, this is something I would call spiritual warfare because there's stuff that's happening internally that the spirit wants to do inside of you that will affect things in the natural. There's some spiritual warfare right there where your flesh and your spirit are battling. 
who you are or who you were before Jesus and even who you are in Jesus battling the spirit of God that's trying to refine you, define some things in you. That's where it gets real. That's where it gets real. And are you willing to let the spirit of God wrestle some things out of you so he can be glorified? Who is Lord in your life? Your opinions? Your, your truth? There's only one truth. Your truth needs to line up with the truth. And I know, how, I know how hard that is sometimes. Because when you're looking at something in the face, and, it's, and that is directly affecting you, and you have to sit there and say, God, I trust you. Even though I'm seeing this and I know this is wrong, I'm going to do what I can to fight for what's right. But even when I don't see what I think should happen happen, I trust you. I'm going to learn to exercise self-control in my conversations with others. Because how I treat them is more important than what I think should be. How the world sees us is more important, is more important than anything I think I need to push or press my own agenda. It's got to lay down on the altar with everything else. It's quiet. It's your Jesus filter. Put on your Jesus filter. It's going to go through your personal filter, but then put, on, put yourself on pause. Have a seat start to think about what Jesus would say, what Jesus would do, and then move from there. It will make for less apologies. It'll make for less, hopefully less confrontation. Um, and even in confrontation in and of itself isn't bad. Because if you're mature enough, are you grown enough? as a person and as a believer to sit down and have hard conversations with people and realize your own need for change, your own need to reevaluate. The only way that happens is if you're able to sit down and listen to somebody else. If you're able to sit down and learn from someone else, it's not just enough to listen. You're not listening and formulating your own response while somebody else is talking. It's listening, for real, just listening. Are you able to learn from my experience? My experience is not contrived. I've lived it. It's not something I made up in my head. <laughs> this happens. So if you're listening and you're learning from me, that should hopefully put you in a place to be able to um, love me more and love from a place of understanding. Because everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to be understood. Every human being has a need to be seen and understood. But if we're so caught up in what we think is right, well, this is right and this is wrong. And not caring about the person, it's not about the issue so much as it is about the people who are actually dealing with these issues. We're called to people, not issues. Issues happen as a result of this world that we live in. Issues, you're gonna have issues. But we're called to love people. And people who have issues, 
and are dealing with issues. So we don't approach people with our perspective on the issue. We approach people with our love for people. And we discuss issues. The people are first. God first, then people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything we do, every opinion we have, every filter we put up should be filtered through those two things. And then our personal filters will then adapt according to that filter. If that's not the order you're doing things in, switch it up. Make it better. It's your responsibility. I can't make you think anything. I can't make you do anything. I can't, well, in this case, I can make you listen to me because I'm the one up here and you're the one there. But in everyday life, it's on you. I won't be standing with you before the Lord. You'll stand before God by yourself. So you have to answer for the way you've treated other people, for the way you've spoken to other people. If people have come to know God as a result of your words and actions, those are the things that God is going to talk to us about. Where is that in your life? Where does that stand in your life? Let's stand with me for a second. I'm going to get ready to close. Um, We're going to pray. Thank you. We're going to pray. It's quiet today. (laughs) This is, this is, um, this is a chance for the church to shine. That's good. As we go into this year, where we, we are having another election. Regardless of what happens, Jesus still sits on the throne. He's going to sit on the throne before the election, and he's going to sit on the throne after. That's right. Yes. That being said, um, vote according to your faith filter. And if you don't know what that means, I encourage you to get into the word and see what that means for you. (laughs) Whoever sits in that office, our prayers, do you believe that the prayers of the righteous avail much? Do you believe that your prayers can move mountains? Whoever sits in the office, the prayers of the righteous avail much. God used Pharaoh to set his people free. There's Cyrus. He released Nehemiah to go and do something for the kingdom. It doesn't matter who sits in the office. Our prayers make a difference. Nebuchadnezzar wouldn't acknowledge who God was, ended up crazy in the desert. Let me tell you something. (laughs) The prayers of the righteous avail much. Don't put your faith in things that are temporary. Put your faith in things that are are eternal. I know it seems like, well, that's just like a patty cake answer to to the intensity of what's going on. No, it's not. It is not. I have faith. I might seem like I have faith like a child. Well, praise God. I believe that God said he's going to do what he's going to do, and I believe that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. I believe him, and I trust him, and I trust that my prayers reach his ears. And imagine if we collectively come together 
and entreat our Heavenly Father for things and issues that are dear to our heart. Why do you think that God won't hear our cry? Come on, it's good. And shift and change things for the people of God. Maybe it, it's a sign that you need to, to pray some more. Maybe it's time to stir yourself up in your prayer life a little bit. If things aren't going the way you think they should be going and you're doing everything you can do in the natural. Okay, kick up your prayer life a little bit. Become a prayer warrior. Start to pray with authority and believe that God will do what he said he would do, that he is a just God. Pray. If this does anything, I pray that it stirs something inside of your heart that is bigger than what's going on. That God will give you eyes to see the way, what he sees. That the faith inside of you will be stirred up to see your faith in action and to see things change as a result of your prayers. Let it stir something inside of you for this next season because elections are coming and in this house we're not about division we're all about unity so we're going to work it out it might be tough but we're going to work it out and we're going to make it through all of this regardless of what happens because it's bigger than this it's bigger than this moment. So just bow your head and close your eyes with me for a second. I hope you enjoyed the message and my prayer is that it inspired and challenged you. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings and to stay connected, just follow us on social media. Remember, there's always hope and your future in God is great.